Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Po, po, po. I am Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along. We're looking still at the Sid James uh, Butcher Regard Odyssey, I think it's called. History Box. It's uh, it's on YouTube if you want to follow along with us. It is, uh, it's called The World of Butcher Regards, starring Sid James from 1976. Uh, public information film, I think. Although why the public would need information about budgies, I'm not sure. Well, again, it, back in the old days. Business. Yeah, the, yeah. State, the state played a bigger role in all aspects of life back then. You know, you had like there was even the you know you had the post-war coalition, didn't you? Of sort of yeah. you had Labour, but then you had these One Nation Tories, and they were both in agreement that the state had a role to play in every aspect of our lives, including budgery car keeping, which was at the time pretty much. Must have been the biggest uh, hobby in the country, right? And they were very, they were very light touch. Was mm. their their ethos, wasn't it? Light touch on budgies. Yeah, was across the political spectrum. Yeah, um, I've just become aware this morning, Sam, of you know Thirsk, where we did a live show, a spectacular yeah. live show a few years ago. It's part yeah, of their it really was spectacular that particular yeah. show. Yeah, um, Thirsk has a parrot. Um, not a farm. What's the word I'm looking for? Compound. Rescue centre. Oh. A rescue centre for parrots. Yes. In and oh. it appears to be open to the public. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go. I think that sounds like a great trip. I've got something I've been meaning to tell you for ages, and I can't believe I haven't. Tell me it. it in Barnes, there is a pack of wild parakeets. A, a, a large pack of green As parakeets. Menacing? When you see well, a pack... Yeah, it is pretty menacing, but it's it's sort of beautiful. And it's, so when you start watching the the world of budgery guys, it's just they're just like the green ones you see at the beginning. Because as, as we've covered on previous episodes, what's his name? The expert explains that Philip when Marston. they were, they came from Australia and they were green, and yeah. it was only once they came over here that they started changing colour. But these are the original Weird. green flavour. Um, yeah. Before a Lampard gets in touch, an ornithological Lampard. Do you think the taste according to no the, the, the green ones are, are suitable for vegetarians and, and vegans? The lime. They're vegetarian and vegan ones. You can oh, eat those. Yeah, you can eat. Okay. Yeah, I could. I could eat them. You could eat any buttery guy you chose. I could so, eat the green ones only. What? So, so that means that the yellow ones would be maybe lemon flavour. Mm. Blue, blue ones lemon would. I'm not, sure, 
I'm not Ra- sure if blue would be... Well, they often... I don't know how, and I don't know if we've ever discussed this, and if we haven't, it seems remiss, considering how long we've been doing this podcast. But, of course, they do make raspberry flavour blue in the world of sweeties and drinks these days, don't they? They're, yeah. Well, also, I was going to say, are, are blue ones going to be... Um, sorry, were they going to be salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Cause oh, it depends if they're using the Walker system or not. Yeah. Hmm. Because um, salt and vinegar used to be blue when I was a kid. Yeah, and then yeah, no, Walker's, Walker's turned them it, green. Walker's changed it. Ever, yeah, I yeah. mean, this is quite a controversial matter that that Walker's took over. Like, basically, if you were born in the 70s, 60s, if you were born before the 90s, really, you will always regard blue as salt and vinegar. But mm. the millennial kids and beyond, they just they don't know the struggle. Anyway. It's like when that fella took over at Cardiff and he... Put them in red kits. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> was that not because he'd bought a load of red seats? They job lot. And he was going to put them in. So I think he changed the kit as well. He bought the red seats by accident. Strong or Ray, like that. Ray, Roy race vibes to that decision. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I've got my hands on a load of red plastic. Uh, yeah, and also John Lennon. Do you remember in Get in um, Get Back when John Lennon's trying to buy all that plastic off of the director? <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. Leslie Wimzo Harris or whatever his name is. And then he asked if he could keep it afterwards. Yeah, I mean, that that, uh, (laughs) that, that plastic over there. I mean, we could use it. And then, for instance, I mean, I'm just spitballing here. I could maybe keep it. Like, for instance, if we could... All I'm saying, I mean, ask Paul. I mean, Paul will have to be, uh, you know, complicit too. But from my point of view, I think that plastic would be a really good feature of the film. And then afterwards, let's be honest, who's going to have any need for plastic? I don't mind. I've got storage space at mine, so I'm perfectly <laughs> happy to take it away. And the whole time, Yoko's eyeing this plastic and whispering in his ear. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the unsung stories of the Beatles, isn't it? The acquisition of free stuff. Yeah, yeah. George, 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 is it Mal Evans he sends out to get him a pair of shoes? Shoe, get me and some I think shoes. He assumes they're going to be free. He goes, he goes, what sort of shoes? He goes, get, get me a selection of size eights and bring <laughs> yeah, yeah. them here and I will choose what ones I want, right? <laughs> and he goes, all right. And then you imagine poor old Mal Evans walking up and down German Street going, listen, I know this sounds like bullshit, but I work with the Beatles and they're around the corner and George Harrison, he hasn't given me any money for this, no float. Um, you just need to literally trust us that I'm going to take away... 10 to 20 pairs of leather shoes <laughs> and I'll return all but one of them. So will you pay for the one? I'll level with well, you. It's, it's unlikely. It's it's unlikely. If it was me, yeah, I would. But they these cunts haven't paid for fucking... They haven't paid for so much as a cup of tea since the early 60s. Do you know what I mean? We're talking almost 10 years of free shit. I, d- I can't see George starting now. <laughs> they should have got Mal Evans as some kind of identity card. Like this is yeah. this 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 gentleman is authorised by the Beatles to kind of conduct. All due respect to Mal, he doesn't look shoes. that legit, does he? Do you know what I no. mean? If he, he's not, he's not like Brian Epstein. You know, he's like if if Mal Evans lumbers into your fucking cobblers <laughs> on German Street and starts demanding in his Scouse accent free shoes. Oh, I work for the Beatles, don't I? They're just round the corner. You gotta give them to us. It's the Beatles. <laughs> well, I can't bring them here. They're recording an album. They haven't got time. That's why they send me. You're just gonna have to trust me. Yeah, you'd be pressing like a red emergency button under the counter, wouldn't you? 
Yeah. Uh, no, but there, there speak- is wild. There's wild parakeets. They're in barns. I'm assuming yeah. they come from the wetland centre, which I've spoken about mm-hmm. many times. Which is uh, the the I think it's the biggest wetland and wildfowl facility oh. in certainly in London, possibly in the UK. And um, so there's all sorts of rare birds that live there. But there's nothing. There's no roof. So if they want, they can all fuck off. Now most of them don't. Because the environment that's been created down there at the wetlands is perfect. It's a perfect ecosystem for them, right? They've got everything they need. We've got everything we need yeah. here. We've got sky to fly in. We've got trees to sit in and and shagging. We've got ponds to fuck about on, should we want to. They and there's also down grass. For us. There's grass where we can fly down, catch a worm, pick up some seeds. It's fucking great. It's like, if you imagine Club Med, but for a bird, this is it, right? And There's but the parakeets, they don't agree. They're like, fuck this. Come on, lads. Let's go for a little fucking pipe around the neighbourhood. See what else is going on. This place is fucking boring. They're like the sort of people who pay for an all-inclusive at Club Med or yeah. similar, or a TUI all-inclusive, which is what I'm doing this year. And um, and they, they, they pay for it, but then they get there and they hire a car and start going out anyway. And I'm but always looking at those people yeah. and what, what are you doing this for? What are you doing this for? You're you're wasting money. You stay here, the more you eat, the more you drink. You're making money. As soon as you leave the compound, right, your your budget's dropping all the time. It's ridiculous. And that's why I think about these parakeets. I'm thinking, these parakeets are are at the wetlands, but they fly about, honestly, in a big gang. Like, I'd say there's at least 100 of them. And they always travel Fucking together. Hell. And sometimes I'll see them out my back door. Like I'll be sitting watching telly. I'll be looking out the window into the garden. I'll see them. All right, lads. And they'll just fucking fly. They'll do a flyby like, you know, like the red arrows. It's yeah, amazing. That's amazing. Because, I mean, yeah. we've, we've got some parakeets up here. This, right. this far north. Yeah. Not 100. There's a few kicking mm. around. But, you know. No, this is, a, extent, this is a big they're, they're well They're well known in here. They're sort of like Barnes's answer to the Chiswick Soul Patrol. Like a local other, gang, other Gibraltar monkeys. Yeah, it's like a local gang of roughs who have a reputation. If you're in the local pub, like on a Friday night, and they mm. turn up, everyone sort of falls a bit quiet and looks yeah. at their feet, oh, looks come. at their shoes because they think, "Oh no, yeah. now we we can't relax because we know there's going to be trouble yeah. at some point." The parakeets are in. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> hundred pints of shandy. We're live. <laughs> Stick it on me tab. Yeah. Beaky stick stick it on Beaky Steve's tab. Well the thing is, Beaky Steve, um the the manager told me that it, it is overdue now by a year, and so I'm not to put an Oh, that's what he said, did he? Get him down here, I'll talk to him. Well he he's away actually. Oh, where's he gone? Well, don't worry, don't worry, I'll square it with him. For now, stick it on Beaky Steve's tab. I really it's more my job so well, I tell you what. I'm not leaving here without 100 pints of shandy, shandy with lime, right? I am not. Because this is a lovely pub you've got, but, you know, accidents uh, can happen. Uh, and I'm not paying. So this is what you call an impasse, isn't it? <laughs> Do you want me, me and the lads, to fly over onto the other side of the bar and pour this fucking shandy ourselves? Because we will. You know, There's no problem. We, we could cause a lot of problems in your car park. We could seriously affect your footfall. This evening, people wanting to come in and even people wanting to leave. That's up to you. We could form a parameter ring 
um, a, a ring of wing. That's what we call it. And we just fly. <laughs> we fly in a big circle round and round the pub to stop people entering or exiting. How do you like that? Doesn't sound that nice, does it? That's right, love. Get the shandies poured. Good girl. Good girl. And not in normal glasses. We want them in feeders. <laughs> yeah, when I say pints, that's bird-sized pints. Yeah. I want them in them bottles that are upside down, the little pipe coming out of them. <laughs> no, the manager keeps them. He keeps them out back, especially for us when we pop in. <laughs> but I've got a bird update, actually. For fucking reasons, I didn't get to sleep till about 4.30 this morning. Oh, man. I haven't got any idea why. Just one of those nights where you just can't sleep. Oh, I that's think, because this happened to my son as well. He was affected by this last night as well. And I think it might have been residual adrenaline from mm. Sunderland's final game of the season. Yes, it probably was Preston. that. Sorry, I meant yeah. to congratulate you on that, mate. That's incredible. Thank you. Um, yeah, I honestly think it was. I just could not, could not. I didn't sleep well the night before, but last night just couldn't switch mm. off. But anyway. That happens um, after a big game. It's really hard. And, and I often find, like, I mean, it's not, it wasn't quite as big for us, but, you know, when we, we beat Man U on Sunday night and I was kind of similar. But I, I often don't know what to do with the emotion. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Because it's yeah. like we always joke about it, but I've, you know we believe it. It's a silly child's game, and yet it still mm. has the capacity to sometimes fill you with this excitement, which might just be triggering some sort of emotional memory from when you were a kid and you really did give Who a knows? shit, right? But, but then you've yeah. got it, and you don't know what to do with it. Like I was yeah. lying in bed trying to get to sleep after that game on Sunday, and I'm like, I kept thinking oh, about the result, and then I just start thinking, well. What does my brain want me to do it? I don't. I've seen it. I'm I'm happy, but now it's, it's time to shut my body <laughs> yeah. down. Right? Yeah. It's over. It's in the past. But it's like my body saying, "No, you got to keep thinking about this." So then it's like, <laughs> "All right, fine. I'll think. I'll go through the goal in my head a few times, and I'll go through some yeah. other scenarios in my head." But it's still not enough, and so it's weird. It fills your body with an adrenaline that I think your body and mind don't yeah. know what to do with it because you're a grown man. You're a grown man lying in bed. You're really excited, but in a way you wish you weren't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, this is it. It was like an hour and a half after the, the match had finished, and we were like, what should we have for tea? And I said, you know what? My stomach isn't physically ready to, you know, accept food at this point. I didn't feel as though yeah. I could eat. It was just, everything was just no. so overwhelming. And I honestly think that's why I couldn't sleep last night and it was 4.30. But well, getting back to what I was saying was, um, I had the window slightly open as well because it was really warm. Um, and the dawn chorus begins at 3.45am oh. up here Oh, no. Because we talked I mean, about birdsong We love dawn we? chorus, but lads, yeah. come on. Have some fucking, have some respect for your uh, neighbours. I'm lying there, 3.45am, and the first chirp emerged from, from nearby outside. And then within five minutes, it was all... Fucking hell. And they won't listen to you. If you shout out the window, like, shut it, cunts. It makes them worse. Sometimes it makes them worse. Who the fuck are you, house cunt? Yeah. We're in the sky. Don't hear any of you fucking chirping or singing much, you miserable fucking land-bound cunts. That's what their attitude is. So, yeah, me, me son had to go to school this morning, so we've got about two and a half hours sleep each. So, um, uh, well, yeah. congratulations. It's really exciting. Who you, oh, you got in the semi? We've got Luton in the semi, so we've played Whoa, twice this season. Draw, 
drawn one-one each time, so impossible to predict. Luton away. Um, I mean, I've told you before. I'm sure. Like, I was making a documentary about criminals, and I went to Luton and went for a drive around with the local police. Lots squad of documentaries car. appear to be made in Luton about crime because 20,000 police custody seems to be mainly based in Luton as well. Right, so we, we they go, right, we're going to take you to this pub. And it was slightly out the centre of town. It was up on a hill. It was very isolated. And they go, we're, we're going to take you up here. This is a pub where a lot of criminal activity surrounds this particular pub. It's got a notorious reputation. So I'm like, all right. So we drive up this hill, get outside the pub, get out of the car, start filming. I'm interviewing the police. Within a minute, some large tattooed man steps outside the pub, looks us all up and down. And goes to the police by Christian name, Dave. What's this? And he goes, "Oh, we're filming for a documentary. It's nothing to worry about." He goes, "Yeah, well, you're going to need to fuck off and take these cunts with you." And, the, and, and I'm thinking, "Fucking hell, this is going to get tasty." And the policeman just goes, "Absolutely no problem, Steve." And he goes to me, "He goes to me, we got to go, we got to go now." And we all get back in the car and drive off. I've told you that story before. It was when you referred to yeah. it correctly as a self-policing pub. The self-policing pub, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent stuff. So that's, so, uh, that's yeah, what Luton have thought. And, and that's really exciting. And you've got Coventry or Borough in the final, which, of course, Coventry could be an Atletico Mints final, it which could would be, be tremendously exciting. It could be. But that would be fucking chaos because you've got Middlesbrough and Sunderland all coming down decamp into London Trafalgar Square the night I, before. Imagine if Middlesbrough you know, tried to come to Trafalgar Square. That's your patch. Well, I thought it was, but Bob told me that it's not because he says the Borough did it first in two thousand and four. <laughs> you've got loads more so, fans than them, though, haven't you? Some, we've been we've been down loads more times, but and it, you've got it, loads it, more fans. So, well, and, yeah, and as well, I, I guess we have. Bob will, I reckon. Like, no offence, Bob, but he'll be going in the corporate fancy bit at Wembley. Well, he, he probably might, won't. No, he, sits, he, he might sits feel too the, famous uh, to the, hang the out people. in the normal bits. I'm hoping they'll put us both up in the corporate bit. Give us a bit <laughs> I was like about that. to say to you, oh, there's no way Andy will go in that bit. Even if Bob invites me, like, no, <laughs> not me. <laughs> Fucking like, yeah, in a heartbeat. <laughs> Fucking canopies. Good, good on you, Booms. mate. Good yeah. on you. Um, yeah, of course. And, uh, yeah, so, but we can't talk about the playoffs, really. We cannot talk about the playoffs. I know this would usually have been discussed on our Monday episode. We didn't do one this week because it was bank holiday. Uh, so we have to say mm. now it'll be old news by Friday when we're on the subject of the players can I just send my best wishes and sincere commiserations to the Millwall community who <laughs> who had it all in the I palm enjoy that part the of palm it. of their hands at um, at half time against Blackburn Rovers fuck and, what a um, fucking calamity it was, it was very it was very unfortunate and uh God. All I'm all I'm saying is, you know, if you did take out your Millwall insurance at the end, at the beginning of the season, and think to yourself, mm-hmm. "Well, I hope this isn't going to be a waste." Now you realise it wasn't. That's why you get it. Uh, that's why you get it. like this. And uh, yeah. yeah, no bad hard lines, Millwall. The West Ham <laughs> WhatsApp groups and um, message boards, as they used to be called, were. Forums. Very much alive last night. We'd beaten United the night before and slept. <laughs> then Millwall implode the next day. Still no more sleep. Wonderful stuff. Mm. Jalapeño. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Jalapeño. Anyway, we should get back to the Sid James yeah. thing, I guess, shouldn't we? Really. Um, where were we at? Oh, we were at the bit where... There's a, there was the bit where uh, they showed you where you shouldn't put budgerigar cages. And I've just been looking at that again before we started. Don't put them on and your telly. Quite, don't put it next to the door where a kid's going to run in and bang yeah, the bump uh, into it. bang the door. And there's another bit where it's, it's situated in the kitchen on on the bench right next to the cooker. Uh, and there's a pan full of milk that's just overflowing right next to the budgie. Don't do this. First of all, don't put your budgie there. Secondly, don't let your pan overflow. It'll be chip pan fires before you know it. Should we do history box about the chip pan fire? Because it's not really a thing anymore, is it? No, it used to be massive. I mean that. And, it used to be massive. But the biggest fire, apart from chip chip fires, chip pan fires, was the old. Um, it was the old uh, washing machine or tumble dryer fire, wasn't it? That apparently was the yeah. biggest cause of fire. I don't know if it still is. Yeah. They've probably yeah. got the tech now. Put them in areas where there's no ventilation, wasn't it? Mm. And they'd overheat and explode and catch fire and, and such such forth. And what um, on, on to one of yeah, one of Sid's best lines in this thing. Let's just see if we can hear it. What's all this about budgies being able to talk? <laughs> What's all this about budgies <laughs> being able to talk? <laughs> I've heard it. What's this I've been hearing? I've I've heard a few fucking rumours that they can talk. Don't believe it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and so Philip Marsden does a bit of a demonstration about finger training as it's called and that was a very different thing when we were teenagers yeah, Sam, wasn't definitely. it um, as we've discussed previously but that's for a different podcast and it's, you get the budgie out you get it on your finger you make, you know, it helps it become tame and you uh, train it to say words by repeating the same word over and over again for about 25 minutes every fucking day and I think he says it takes about six weeks before it actually kicks in and it um, it starts to learn words. So it needs a lot of uh, time and energy. Yeah. But then again, back in the 70s, we all had a lot I more time so, and energy to I do that as see, a hobby. I couldn't see myself training a bird to talk. You couldn't now. We could do it then because there's only three channels on, let's face it. You know, you quite easily spend 25 you minutes find a find yourself with, with time on your, your hands, finger. sitting around thinking, yeah. yeah, what, fuck it, I might teach that bird to swear. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Philip Marsden talks a little bit about finger training and all that. And then he delivers, for me, which is the, the peach of a line in this entire film. There was a bird called Sparky Williams once. <laughs> got, got to do this in two parts. Lovely. There was a bird called Sparky Williams once, and he had a vocabulary... Of over 550 words. Fucking hell. Sparky Williams deep dive. Sparky Williams Sparky history Williams. box. Sparky Williams mini deep dive commences here. Might do Sparky uh, Williams Sp- t-shirts, mate. Yeah. Uh, there might be a problem with that, but I'll come to that later okay. on. It could be a copyright issue. 
Sparky Williams was a talking budgie with a repertoire of more than 500 words and eight nursery rhymes. Wow. And Sparky Williams became a celebrity after fronting an advertising campaign for Capon's Birdseed and making a record which sold 20,000 copies. Fucking hell. Sparky Williams brought out a single, which you can hear on YouTube, um, and Philip Marsden appears on it with him. Wow. Um, He's bigger than Cliff Richard. He was bigger than Cliff Richard. And after he died, he was stuffed and put on shore at Newcastle's Hancock Museum, where I believe he still resides to this day. We should go. We should go. That I could, could go to the day if I wanted to. That could be one I of our... Straight I'm, after this. Haven't we talked about doing branded excursions for people? Top flight time machine approved excursions. That's fucking yeah, got to go on it. With us as, as guides. Get this. Sparky provided the inspiration for an opera by Michael Nyman and Carsten Nikolai, which was performed in Berlin in 2006. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I don't even know about that. Have you seen a picture of Sparky? Yes, he is green mm. with uh, a yellow head, Lime some flavored. nice spots underneath his cheek, uh, and some lovely markings on his wings. Um, he was owned by Mrs. Williams, who lived in Forest Hall near Newcastle upon Tyne. And she taught him to speak, recite songs, and sing nursery rhymes. Uh, by the time he was three and a half, he won the BBC International Cage Word Contest. Uh, and he was so good that he was disqualified from taking part again. The <laughs> thing is, I'm so good. I'm so fucking good. They had to disqualify They've had to me. me. They've had to ban me, because there's no point in anyone else turning up. <laughs> I'm that fucking good. See, I've just done about 38 of my words just there. Just in that sentence. While you're listening to I've just done another 15. Actually, it keeps going up, because I'm saying words at the moment, and as I'm hearing myself say them, I'm thinking, that's new. That's new. I don't even know where they're coming from. I'm pulling half these words out my ass. But they make sense. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he appeared on the BBC Tonight programme with Cliff Mitchell Moore. Great. That's no mean feat. Apparently uh, he, he was in, one of, in the 1974 general election, the first one, because there was two, he was in this BBC <laughs> studio doing poll analysis. We turn now yeah, to Sparky Williams for the budgie perspective. How do you think this result will affect the budgie community? <laughs> well, you see, most budgery guards vote liberal. Um, it's just a lot of that's just cultural, to be honest. Obviously, being birds, we believe very much in freedom above all else. And liberty, freedom, you get the gist. I'm not, I'm, I don't trust Wilson and Heath. As for Heath, uh, he's not a bad guy, but he's unmarried. And that, for me, leaves question marks about his personal life. So for that reason, I probably will be voting Lib. But um, as for the other as for the other budgery guards, Mr. Mitchell Moore, I can't speak on their behalf. But they've all said they're going to have a light touch policy regarding budgery guards. So we regard that as a good thing. Yeah. Going forward. The, the Budgery Guard lobby has been successful in integrating its policies to all of the major parties. So, um, yeah, the opera in question, Sparky Cage and Beyond, features recordings from the Sparky archives of the Natural History Museum uh, of Northumbria. Sorry, Natural History Society. A CD of Sparky talking has already been released. And uh, Sparky himself is on display at the Great North Museum, Hancock, in Newcastle. I found and a that- lovely picture, which I'm going to 
used for something or other. I've, I don't know if it's stuffed Sparky. It probably is. Cause it looks like quite a modern picture. It's from the Chronicle. Um, yeah. And it's. Have you seen this one? It's Sparky on his perch um, with a with a his single. With the single next the to The single and some sort of trophy. I don't know what the trophy's for. Oh, it's a trophy for the world champion of talking budgies. And There's so he's there on his perch next to these two greatest achievements. How many of you, human or budgery gar, <laughs> can say that you have achieved these two things? A seven-inch single released on Parlophone, no less, right? Same label as the Beatles, actually. And, and a world championship trophy. Uh, in any category, mine personally is for talking bodgery car, right? I am the I am a world champion who has released a seven inch single on Parlophone. What do you make of that? No wonder I'm up here on my perch, thinking like I'm the <clears throat> fucking dog's bollocks. There's a little bit of Sparky here on this web page that I'm looking at. They call me pretty sparky. I'm just a little bird. Fuck that. I can talk and chop out all the day. That's where I'm sparky. Because today is behind a little map. It's fucked as black as soot. Whoa. And everywhere that Mary went is sucky, fucky, 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 but um, there was another page that I was looking at the other week, and I forgot where I've lost it now. But apparently, Sparky had a bank account of his own. <laughs> Such was his level of uh, fame and income. Do you know what bank he, so, he banked? Uh, who he banked with? I don't know. I don't know. What do you uh, reckon? So, so, well, I mean, you know, you'd have a think and come up with some puns. It, it to, it, well, Midland had banks, a Griffin, didn't they? As played by Richard Midland Bryers. Had a griffin. So that's sort of bird-like. Um, that's bird adjacent. You could, you could be- beakleys. Oh no! I don't know. You know no. what I mean. You know, the way I don't it's, want to go down that road. Us, we're, not, we're not those kinds of people. No, um, no need. But, but you know, like um, our, you told me a long time ago that Reg Varney was the first person in the UK to use a cash point. Did yeah. you, do you know who the first person in the UK to make a call on a mobile phone was? This is the sort of thing you'll know. I mean, I heard this on a radio oh. show, and I thought, and I nearly texted you. I thought, I bet Andy knows this. I've forgotten who it is, but when, as soon as you tell me, I'll go, yes, of course it was. Ernie Wise. Ernie Wise, of course. <laughs> Fucking Why? hell. Obvious choice, isn't it? <laughs> Why would they choose Ernie Wise? Well, they, they maybe thought that because Eric had gone, he wanted to, he what, he needed someone hands. to talk to. Yeah. And he was desperate for communication. <laughs> who so do you reckon he better? called? I don't know. I don't know much about the call. We did once do a deep dive into the first ever phone call by Alexander Bell to his mate. Yeah. And his first words were, are you there? Was it that? No. Was it that? Or, uh, I'm thinking of fucking Marathon Man when Laurence Olivier keeps saying, is it safe? Is it safe? Someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe that that's what Ernie Wise said on the mobile phone. Is it safe? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so what else is going on? We're almost at the end of this thing now. Uh, there's some some more nuggets of information. There's a five hundred pound reward uh, for the first breeder to produce a pink breasted budgie. Uh, I don't know if that's been achieved yet because this was 1976. Uh, we see some footage of um, newly born budgies. There's some mm. stuff about breeding. We see them with no feathers and embryonic eyes, mm. which is slightly terrifying. 
but uh, they develop in 30 days into fully-fledged budgies, so that's nice. Um, we see some budgies who are allowed freedom of the garden, which is very trusting of their owners, I think. Uh, there's a breeding show. There's a kid who looks a bit like me. Uh, and then we see the, <laughs> that's the bit at the end where we see the mythical twins who the, the woman is going to buy the budgie for for a, a birthday present. Uh, and they're there. And the twins do look a little bit sinister. They're like twins from like The Shining or something like that. Um, but and Sid had, Sid's got no faith whatsoever in these twins. That you give them you know, a bird, it'll be dead within the first day. That's pretty much what he says, isn't it? Yeah. They're a fucking uh, joke, he's... those twins. They'll put their life a fucking... They'll either let it starve or they'll fucking eat it. And then we've got we've got Sid with the the fucking the uh, the budgie in a cage on a table, and Sid's basically threatening the budgie to get it to speak. Afford for as little as you can spare on budgies. All right, Philip, that's enough for you. Come on now, lad. You got an audience here now. Now say it again. Go on, you said it once for me. You think you know? Said it just now. Now come on then. Don't be shy. Well, come on, let's hear you. <laughs> Speak, you cunt. Look, mate, I'm warning you, this is your last chance. I'm warning you. He's getting quite you aggressive. Get <laughs> what? Nah, Did he offer him a bag of jelly babies? You can't give jelly babies to a fuck. Oh, he says, this is your last chance, I'm warning you. You either speak now or you go back to where you came from and the kids get a bag of jelly babies <laughs> instead. <laughs> I'm warning you. <laughs> <laughs> Sid James is warning a budgie in one of his very final uh, TV appearances. So here we go. And the kids finish up with a bag of jelly, baby. Finish up. You ready? Sid James is the funniest thing on the telly. (laughs) Budgie just stares at him. Can you hear me? (laughs) Sid James is the funniest thing on the telly. You deaf cunt. Sid James thinks he's the funniest thing on the telly. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> there's the Sid laugh. Uh. <laughs> 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 uh, Sid's laughing, the kids are laughing, the the woman's laughing, and then oh, it ends with the beautiful, end. beautiful outro music again. You know oh, what I'm thinking, Andy, now we're wrapping up this world of budgery cars, I think that yeah. we should think about getting... There's only ever been one other character on this podcast, which is um, Results Bot, who doesn't often talk on it anyway. I'm thinking we should mm. think about getting a show budgery car. We could share it six months each. Yeah. In the year. And then and then it can just sometimes come on and say it's peace. Once we've trained it to speak, yeah. Once we've trained it to speak, it come on, give us a little bit of a, give our jaws a rest once in a while. Well, we could we could phase out results bot and we could train it to say one nil, and then we could just call it results budgie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, or just the next season if it's Premier League, keep results bot. But you know when right. we have international weekends or cup weekends, yeah. I think that's results budgie. That's how you phase right. it in. It's a bit like when you start phasing yeah. in a new host on a show; they start at yeah. first just covering at like certain times. But in the end, you like mm. phase the other bloke out. Maybe we should try it's, that next season. It's going to get results spot up its game as well, I think. Yeah. Because of the possible threat. Of well, he keeps yeah, telling we'll me that. that he's going to turn over a new leaf and he's getting fit 
he right. says he's gonna he says he's gonna lose ten kilos by the time he goes on yeah. holiday to Ayanapa in July, right? Yeah, right. And I said and I said, mate, listen, you're never gonna lose the weight. If you like you can lose the weight, sure. You might be able to do it. You've got an addictive personality, so you might like really throw yourself into it. But then the whole point is you're going to Ayanapa. What's gonna go down in Ayanapa? You're gonna get wasted every night. No, I'm not, I'm yeah. gonna take it no. easy. And I'm like, well, why are you going to Ayanapa then? It's a party town. It's the only reason you're going there. Now I can go out with my mates and just have a coke. No, mate. We go to the quiet part of town. Yeah, well, that's look, that's bollocks. So what's going to happen is you'll lose the weight. You'll go there. You'll get back into drinking. You'll be doing pills every night, right? And gear. I won't have a drink before 7pm. Uh, I have promised my friend Mike. I drink plenty of water before going out. I stay hydrated. That way, you don't get a hangover. Well, that's bollocks. Fucking starters. When I get in, I have a pint of water and a paracetamol. And one of those fizzy vitamins. (laughs) And a banana. (laughs) Mate, and then you're going to wake up midday. You're going to have a hangover. You're going to want to fucking have a pint of Coke and a fry up every day for your brunch. (laughs) Right? The weight will come back on and you'll be back in the same Toxic cycle. You'll be yo-yoing results, spot. No, it's different this time. I set myself rules and boundaries. I'm maturing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how you predict first thing in August when you're back. Right. Um, there we are. That's it, then. That's the Sid James Budgery Guard Odyssey History Box, whatever it's called. Um, we'll do I don't know I might do a, a tune machine next time oh we'll, yeah we've got our Yacht Rock tune machine coming up and Alex D the musical director of Top Light Time Machine has created us a Yacht Rock team as well so let's let's oh, utilise well, it there you are. that's yeah. going to happen next time then excellent we've also got lots of plans for a future one but we'll uh, now we'll keep that quiet for now yeah 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 but, we'll drip um, that out around. later mm. All right, then there you go. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) 